Hey, it's Zach and I'm back with another episode of Elevate and Accelerate. And today I'm really excited to introduce a new guest, Teresa Chambers. Uh, she's a former business and political journalist for Time Magazine and has used her expertise as a writer, an editor, a marketer, and a project manager to create and launch programs and products in corporate, academic, and community arenas around the world for over 25 years now. So she's bringing a lot of really insightful and, uh, and powerful experience to the conversation today. But she's also the founder and CEO of 10th Muse Enterprises. And so as a brand marketer, content strategist, inventor, writer, and editor, she has really dedicated herself to helping authors, entrepreneurs, and artists really define and discover and connect with their target market. Really, ultimately, what she has done is been able to provide a space and platform to empower black and brown creative entrepreneurs and artists to increase their economic and community stability through their talents. So help me in welcoming Teresa today. Thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Hi, Zach. Thank you. It's so great to be here with you. Yeah. And so look, um, obviously you have achieved uh, a number of successes in many different areas, uh, as I just kind of even tried to touch on a little bit here, um, but would love to hear, you know, a little bit more about you. Uh, where did you get your start? Where did, uh, where did you grow up and what was life like for you? Sure. So I grew up in uh, Newport News, Virginia, which is uh, Southeastern Virginia, Hampton Roads area. And one thing about Hampton Roads is that it's there is a very heavy military presence. So most of the people in my community had some connection to the military, uh, the Army, the Air Force, the Navy, um, or the shipyard. Newport News happens to be the home of the world's largest shipbuilding company. So just a little fun fact there. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> so grew up in Newport News and um, I have three brothers I grew up with uh, and my mom and my dad. Um, and so actually, I guess uh, I had a very normal life in a lot of ways, uh, lived close to the family and everything. But uh, I was, uh, I was, uh, a pretty smart kid. And so um, I graduated from high school when I was 16. So uh, <laughs> that okay. was, uh, that was different. <laughs> and before I by the time I got to high school, I actually had changed schools five times, which is really wow. weird, because my parents have lived, lived in the same place the entire time. Uh, but that was just kind of my unique experience because of uh, being advanced in school, I skipped a grade. And also, because of redistricting, we are in this political season, so you certainly mm. know what that's about. Mm -hmm. And also um, because of integration, I grew up in a period where that was something that was actually emerging in our community, mm. in our culture. So that was all in, that all affected my academic experience. So graduated from high school when I was sixteen, went to University of Virginia for undergrad, and I was passionate about politics and international affairs and wanted to travel the world. And uh, so I studied government and politics, uh, ended up majoring in French though, because I had started to study French in eighth grade and loved studying the language. And I 
that really kind of has been the impetus of my communications experience, but loved studying French and then studied throughout high school and into college and just loved learning about the language and the different cultures where- uh, So can you still speak French? I am fluent in French, yes. You're fluent in French, that's amazing. Yes, yes. And after I graduated from college, I was 20 and I had always dreamed of going to New York City that was something mm. I loved magazines and read Vogue and all the fashion magazines. And that's where all the fashion was and all the exciting things that were happening in the world were happening really in New York. And so I had this great dream of going to New York. And so I actually begged my parents to let me go and uh, hopped on a bus in the fall. Uh, after I graduated, I turned 21 that summer and uh Greyhound bus took me to New York City. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I went there and wanted to just find something. And I had a little bit of, I had very little money. So mm. I had to use the little bit of money I had to find some place to uh, find my job first. I had some place to stay for the moment, but just didn't have a lot of time and ended up taking a job in New York, that was an admin job. Found out very quickly that I'm a terrible admin. Terrible, <laughs> terrible to this day. Uh, That's not my jam. And <laughs> <laughs> but in the process of that, that actually took me to my journalism career because one of my friends who I worked with mm. at this admin, where, where I was an admin, uh, introduced me to someone who uh, was friends with the HR director at Time Inc. And so within a year, I had gotten my job as an editorial assistant at Time Magazine, which was very exciting. And wow. within a year and a half, I was made a reporter researcher. I was the youngest reporter researcher they had ever had. And mm. I covered business, politics, international affairs. So um, I loved doing the work. It was very intense. I learned from the best of the best. And mm. so that was really thrilling. And uh I just really was very passionate about learning about the world and culture and all of those intersections. So um, it, I, yeah, it's been a, uh, I would say a non-traditional career path after I left there. Uh, I decided I, it was kind of burnout after five years and being young and um, there was a lot of intensity. I worked on a lot of cover stories um, mm. and a really uh, heavy news time. This was before. So. So before you move into the next thing, I mean, I'm just curious about that because not a lot of people can say, first of all, that they worked for Time Inc. Um, and also as a journalist and um, and so many other things too, and a researcher. And so, um, and you're talking about your time being thing, but like, at what point? So, academic achievement. You're you're obviously very bright. You're you're changing schools, but you're you're achieving very quickly um, at a faster pace than most people. And even now, professionally, it seems like as well. So like at, at what point for you um, were you realizing that like you're more of a creative or, or did you consider yourself a creative and do you consider yourself a creative? Because obviously that's the type of people you work with, too. So how is that kind of jostling around for you as you're achieving academics, but also, you know, very artistic in, in the way that you do it, too? Well, I have always been a writer and I love writing and that is my creativity mm -hmm. and I so from a very early age, it was just a natural gift because that's one of the things, even when I joined Time Magazine, um, 
I didn't have a journalism degree, right? But I was able to get in there and to start um, doing the work and contributing at a high level. And that was because of my excellent teachers in high school. so um, credit man they 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 dealt with us at our at our worst you know (laughs) yes yes absolutely so it was something that i loved and i started to also work with um in the process of developing the stories in the magazine i worked with the photographers and the creative director to help put the pages together and that's Mm. when i started to understand how much i understood about visual creativity as well. And they invited me into uh, these conversations to actually give give my opinion, which was really something that was really um, empowering, I think, at that age. And so it was something that stuck with me. So I loved uh, working with the creative team as much as I loved working with the writers and the editorial team. And that's something that I started to just carry with me. I didn't know for sure, but I just knew that I loved working with the creative people. They were the most Mm. fun and they still Mm. got stuff done. Yeah, that's great. So, okay. So you're, you're at time, um, starting to get burned out. You're doing a bunch of cover stories, but sort of uncovering this, you know, passion for working with creatives, um, and then even helping them in some ways. And so then what was, what was kind of the next phase for you after that? So I took a hiatus from the journalism field and I spent a year and a half in the fashion industry, actually working (laughs) in marketing. So that's where I started to do the marketing. So that's when my creative skills started to really emerge. Uh, Mm. I worked in, uh, I took contract positions in marketing for Chanel, Revlon, Estee Lauder, um, and a clothing company that doesn't exist anymore. So uh, (laughs) just worked with all of these amazing creative people and was asked every day to come up with some great idea to convince people to buy the product or come up with a concept. And Mm. I found that that was something that was really natural to me. It wasn't something that I had actually uh, discussed or even explored up to that point. But when I started to respond and people liked my ideas, then it just started to build that momentum. And that's something that I really, really enjoyed and working with clothing designers and working with makeup artists. It was just, again, those creative people, that energy was there. It was really, really inspiring to me. But one of the things that I did observe as well is that uh, there was a lack of diversity. More often than not, I was the Mm. only person of color in the space. And so that was uh, an alarm bell for me. And it just, people weren't, I didn't have any, I didn't have many negative experiences. I can't say I didn't have any, but I didn't have a whole lot of negative experiences, but it was just an observation that there was an absence of diversity in a lot of the spaces where I was. So that just went, took me on a path to find out where is the more diverse community? How do we bring people in? And that became part of my mission is to find folks and to bring people in and to show up in more diverse spaces as well so that we could work together because I was aware of the talent that was in the black community, especially because um, it was just something that was around me all of the time. 
And uh, so I wanted to think more deeply about how to be more inclusive uh, before that was anything trending. And, and I can't imagine too, right? Like, obviously it, you're on the fast track, uh, you said through school and having to shift as, you know, even culturally, um, a lot of the segregation and different things were, were changing. The landscape was changing, right? So you're, you're familiar with that. You grew up around that. And then, um, and then now, you know, I bet even as a woman and a woman of color coming up through the ranks and coming up very quickly, there's probably a whole lot of challenges that you faced that, um, that many other people probably don't face or don't even realize, um, which sounds like it's, it's kind of what brought you to the space that you're in now of really wanting to help artists and creatives and, uh, people, you know, black and brown, as you had said in, uh, in the notes here of really helping them to turn their creative passions into, I think what you said was profitable businesses, yes. right? Like yes. such a cool line. <laughs> well, and that comes from this under awareness that I had about artists not feeling like they can profit from their creativity. And the more I talked to creative people and the more I moved into my own understanding of myself as a creative, that belief that people who are creative don't make money has proliferated. And I didn't agree with that. And I, there was evidence, if we look at some of the great artists, you know, Picasso. Picasso was a living, successful artist. And uh, there are other, uh, other artists over the years. But that's the one that comes to me immediately. But these are people who have tremendous talent. And now as we moved into this technology age, there, it's very clear that you have to have creative people in order to create products and services that people are actually going to buy. We see that, you know, design with your smartphone and all of the things around you. There is nothing beyond um, with technology that doesn't require great creativity. Uh, the technology mm. itself is creative and then the packaging is creative and that requires a certain skill set. So we're in a creative economy. And so why wouldn't the creative people profit from it? So hmm. understanding that, my thinking was that I had heard the term of the starving artist and I want a world where there are no more starving artists because there is no need. We all have intrinsic value, we have great skills, and in a world where everything requires that creative perspective, there's no reason for anyone with such talent to be lacking in any way, certainly not economically. My dad's an artist um, and, and I think kind of passed that off to me. Like he's just, he loved painting, um, was really good at it. Uh, but very similarly, you know, his father told him, it's like, you're never going to make any money as an artist. That's, it's a terrible thing to chase. You yeah. need to hang it up. Um, and, and he did to his own regret. Right. And, and, uh, you know, he had, he was able to, he was going to be able to go to a great school or some, all these different things. Right. Which just didn't pan out because, because that wasn't the direction that he went. And he just recently over the last couple of years or so has gotten back into that. Like he still works his nine to five, but he's, he's painting again. And like the, the life that comes from him just being able to express himself in that way yeah. has been so obvious for me. Um, but it's funny how quickly and easily the creative and the artist can be shut down because of that very idea that, you know, the starving artist, it's like, you, you're not going to be able to make any money. So I love that mission. It, it hits home for me. 
you know, even personally. So I love hearing that. Um, so one of the, one of the things that I'm curious about now is we're kind of shifting into this next phase, right? You're, uh, you're the founder and CEO of 10th Muse. Yeah. We'd love to hear how you came up with that name. Um, but, but, uh, in driving to help creatives, um, and to help them create profitable businesses, kind of walk me through a little bit of, of what that looks like. What do you do? How are, how are you really helping people? So the main focus for me is in helping creatives identify the essence of their brand. I've done a lot of brand work with uh, all the major companies that I work with, corporate brands, time as a brand, which is something I didn't even, I wasn't thinking. I'm a, I'm a journalist, right? I started out as a journalist. So I wasn't thinking brand at the time, but as I began to grow in my career, understanding more about what the significance of brand and branding is, um, I recognize the importance of that and want to, wanted to infuse that into the work that I do. And as we have uh, moved into this space where there are so many people and there's so much competitiveness among brands, really finding those differentiators is the key to creating opportunity for oneself. And so that's something that I really want to focus on is helping each creative find their own brand identity that works for them and then helping them also find and connect with their target markets. Because I have found over the years that that is the greatest challenge that brands have, whether they're global brands or small brands. It is when people are asked, who is your target market? They have that that terrible answer is everybody. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> yes. uh, but my message is good for everybody, but I sure. can do this for everybody. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and so for me, I go straight to the budget part. I said, oh, well, how big is your budget? Because to reach everybody, <laughs> you need quite a budget. And, uh, but you don't really need to meet, re reach everybody in order to be successful. And that's something that I think for creative people, especially, uh, is helpful actually, because they may tend to be more introverted or feel like they're very, they have a lot of ownership over their creativity, which makes sense. So mm -hmm. helping them understand who they really are trying to connect with, allows them to feel more at ease about putting their creativity out into the world, sharing it with others. And a lot of my work in corporate has been specifically with business to business strategies. And that's another aspect that I bring to my clients because I am not someone to offer strategies that are focused on going out and selling one piece of art at a time, one book at a time, one thing at a time, I'm going to help you build a brand that's also going to be putting you in front of a large number of your customers at once, helping you through publicity, general publicity, but also identifying the key podcasts that are going to be relevant, that are going to connect mm -hmm. you with your audience, finding paid speaking opportunities, paid opportunities that come up that are from places that you may never have known about. But that's one of the things that I also recognize is that because of the places that I have been in corporate America, I have seen where 
there are some opportunities mm. that aren't just put out in the general market. So I want to be able to create that access point uh, for creative people in particular. Another area of business that I did work in uh, was in the licensing industry in publishing, which uh, for me, that meant that I was working on uh, the Goosebumps books for a while, if you're familiar with them. And... Oh, I'm familiar. I read all of them <laughs> and, and watched them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so my work there was uh, to help uh, with the intellectual property, the Goosebumps brand. Um, develop products, right? So that licensing opportunity for developing your t-shirts, your hats, your games, your toys. So the licensing industry, which also expands into entertainment. So the television, that's a licensing opportunity. And so many people to this day still don't know a lot about that particular opportunity. And because I spent some time there and I really enjoyed working with that um, particular industry and that particular brand, and so I thought I saw that there are these missed opportunities. I would I put on exhibits at the big licensing exhibitions and there was still there again was an absence of diversity. And that was decades ago. And I actually went to the licensing, the big licensing show in Las Vegas last year. And there was a little bit more diversity, but still there's a need for more representation. And that comes with education as well. And so that's a key part of my work too. So I wanna help identify those opportunities for access. I want to provide education and I wanna make connections. That's a gift that I have because I have worked in so many different industries and have maintained relationships and grown relationships with people in different roles uh, with different skill sets. And I'm just curious about people. So I just collect people. I, people say I'm a connector, but I'm a collector. I'm really a collector. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, in the safest way. In like, safest yeah, you're way. collecting people in the collecting safest way. Collecting relationships, collecting there you go. <laughs> friendships. Yes, that's uh, what I do. And knowledge that. along the way, because I am a lifelong learner. Um, and that I feel like that's uh, such a great sign of of somebody right who who doesn't ever think that they've reached the top of understanding or knowledge or otherwise it's like um you know the people that i would love to and and continue to surround myself with are the people who say you know i still have so much more to learn but let me impart to you what i've learned already absolutely absolutely so a couple of things that you had touched on just now, um, which would be really helpful, I guess, with with our audience too. I mean, the the show is elevate your brand to accelerate your journey to success, right? Because as we create that, and now when we talk about branding, uh, we talk about specifically um, in the form of sharing your story. Your brand is your story. Yes. Um, and so I'd be curious just with your own experience and what you've seen as you're working with these artists, like, um, and, and for the artists that are listening, like what are, what are some maybe tips or strategies or things in which they could even start now of understanding that, like what, what would be a place to start? Um, cause it sounds like a lot of times they don't even know where that would be. Sure. Well, I think one of the key things to start, I, I actually wrote a little ebook called how to launch, and it is focused on how you get started and one of the biggest uh one of the biggest activities and i love to have people do this first is that you take an audit of your life and your skills because at any time 
in your career, you have accumulated some knowledge, you've made some connections or you've collected some people um, and you've <laughs> uh, gotten some skills. You've, you have completed a project. And uh, because we're just going about our lives so busy, a lot of times we just don't take stock of what it is that we have actually accomplished. And we haven't taken stock of what it is that we might feel passionate about. We may have put the passion aside because of uh, responsibilities or obligations. So I think it's important to start with wherever you are, do an audit of what it is that you have going for you. What are your assets? And just documenting them out in all the categories of your life. Your, you know, it is what you're learning, your skills are, your education, uh, the relationships that you have, the affiliations that you have, those kinds of things, and the works that you've accomplished that you're proud of, because we don't even take a lot of time to celebrate our big accomplishments. And so we forget about them, put them on a shelf and just keep going forward. So it's really important to do that audit first. I think that's the key, because with when you lay it all out, you will either realize that, yeah, there's some things I really don't want to do and I don't want to go back that way. Or you realize that uh, there's something that you have forgotten that you really loved that you could pick mm. up on and really bloom from there. So as, as somebody sort of understanding this about themselves, uh, uncovering what some of those skill sets are, things that they're passionate about, how does that play into what your brand is um, from your perspective? Absolutely. So what that does is it allows you to identify what is unique about you, right? We are in a time where everybody is a creator, right? Or people have these, uh, you know, there's a hundred million marketers, everybody's a marketer, uh, mm. but what is your differentiator? That is how that audit can really help you to really point to the things that you have done that nobody else has done. And that is how you get to position yourself and define your brand so that when you have a conversation, you get to go on podcasts or you go to go out into the world, you can do an introduction of yourself that stands out a little bit differently than the next person, which makes you memorable, which is the start mm. of building that brand. You have to have something that lands with people that isn't just the same old thing that everybody's heard. So how has, how has branding worked for you? Um, obviously coming out of corporate America, you're starting your own business. Um, and, and now I've been running that for a while. So um, in what ways have you seen by having your brand that it's been able to open up doors for you and, and, uh, and help you get to where you are today? So that, I love that you asked me that question because when I started out on this time, this cycle of my business uh, from corporate America, I had a vision that I was going to uh, continue to produce these art related visual artist events in Miami, which I had produced several of them during uh, Miami Art Week and Art Basel um, okay. previous years. And that was my vision of what I was going to do. And the, the first day that I started out in my business, I got a call from someone who wanted help with uh, their book, marketing their book, launching their book and positioning them. And 
what's really interesting is that I, I mean, I have a master's degree in publishing. I have worked in publishing for many years and I didn't think that that was going to be where my growth was at all. <laughs> so there was a pause there. You love, you love writing. You have a master's degree in publishing. You worked for one of the largest magazines. and and But still, like all of us, it's like it was right there, but we didn't even think of it. But you didn't right? even think of it. Uh, there's a book called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, which I love. And that mm -hmm. I have, I, she, she calls the person the shadow artist. I have been living in the shadow of others, helping them, and just mm -hmm. didn't recognize my own gift. Forgot about it, put it aside. And so that's kind of how I feel like that was kind of the calling to come out into this realm that you really have knowledge and can contribute and that you love. And mm. that really was the first year for me was really getting comfortable and clear that that is a differentiator for me. I know this works so well that I took it for granted. And I think that that's what happened with a lot of people, right? If you have a really great skill and talent naturally, it seems so easy that you just figure everybody can do it. And mm. then you learn that, no, that's not the case. And, you know, no, many, most people don't have a master's degree in publishing. Most people didn't work with, you know, the editor of the Harry Potter book series or get to work with, uh, you know, all of these great people and learn from them directly and maintain those relationships. And so, and, to get into the rooms and have conversations with all of these people who are industry leaders. So that's something that I absolutely have. That's a differentiator for me. And at the same time, because of my love of the visual arts and really, you know, going back to explaining the name of my company, 10th Muse, you know, there are nine muses in mythology, which represent the different aspects of our creativity. And the 10th muse for me is the muse for all of the muses. So I am here to help all of those that. creatives harness their talent. That's why the company is named that way. And so there was def there's definitely this recognition of the ability to create content for storytelling, for journalism, for books and all of that and the editorial, uh, but also tying in the visuals as well. Books require cover designs, you know, children's books require illustration. Uh, there's so much intersection. We have digital media now. So you have all of these intersections of creativity. There's photography. So recognizing that I can help all kinds of creative talent, harness those gifts uh, and find interesting and unique ways to have them intersect. That's what I love to do. And so that was what my vision was for when I started the business and being able to bring my unique perspective in publishing uh, along with my experience with marketing and branding uh, and offering that to uh, the creative community, which typically are also outsiders, right? They're, if they're the outsiders, they're not in these spaces and they're not even uh, trying to be in these spaces. So mm -hmm. I spend time going to look for them, but that's okay. Uh, finding the right people, finding that talent, 
um, encouraging and motivating them to pursue their goals and their dreams um, is something that I just I just love to do, and it just mm. gives me a lot of joy. Amused to the muses, I love yes. that. <laughs> uh, that's so cool. So, um, so what's on the horizon for you then? I mean, um, as you're, you know, obviously wanting to reach more people, working with authors as you're talking about and other creatives. Um, what is what does the next chapter kind of look like as you're moving into that and and 2024 even and beyond? Sure. So I'm taking um, a two pronged approach because one of the things that I recognize as well is that people are in a mode where there a lot of people are on limited budgets when they're starting out, and a lot of people start out not really thinking about uh, being a business or a brand. And so budgets are limited. So what I'm um, going to do is I'm actually getting ready to launch a book marketing boot camp, which is a 10 week program to work with a group to help them plan on the launching for their next book or project. And I'm calling it a book marketing boot camp because those are the folks who are the primary folks that I work with. But I invite anybody who's creative, who's getting ready to launch a show or an event that's support that's going to support their creative work uh, to participate. And that's something that is going to make it accessible, help people to start thinking more strategically and thinking more like a business because it's very interesting it's with authors. I have this conversation often where they want to write their book, they want to publish, but once they hit publish, they don't know what to do or they sit and wait for somebody to buy the books and they don't come and they don't know why. And um, so I like to teach the process of marketing and how it even gets started before the publishing actually happens and carrying them through that process so that they can have success. Because if they do it once, then they can put it on repeat and really, really grow. Um, and that's what I want them to do. And whether that means them being successful exclusively as an author, or whether it means that that's the catalyst for speaking opportunities or the programs or initiatives that they're interested in and having that book as a tool to open doors for them, that's what I want to help them strategize about and figure out what's the best approach for them. So that's one thing. And then the other aspect is to focus on targeting more enterprise level clients, hybrid publishers, small publishers that have rep that represent multiple artists, but who don't have an in-house marketing team. So I'm working on building my client base in that regard to get more engagement for uh, publishers who are uh, working with diverse writers and artists. That's awesome. Um, and I'm excited to see how that works. Um, obviously you, you bring so much talent, so much insight um, uh, to that conversation and can really help so many more people uh, you know, <laughs> turn their creative process into a profitable business. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes. Um, well, I guess the last question here before we, uh, before we wrap up is just simply this, um, if somebody wanted to get a copy of your ebook, how to launch, or if they wanted to get in contact with you or anything like that to find out more, what would be the best way for them to do that? 
The best way is to email me at Teresa at 10thMuseEnterprises.com. I know that's a long one, but once you type it in once, you're good, right? We'll have it, we'll have it <laughs> pop up on the video. So, <laughs> Excellent. Um, I am in the process of updating the book, so it will be available next month. So uh, just email me and let me know you're interested, and I'll make sure that it's available once, uh, once I'm done publishing. And uh, you can always follow me on Instagram at Muse with Me, and uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. And I would love to meet anybody, answer any questions, and uh, start a conversation to help with those strategies, to help those creative entrepreneurs launch, scale, and grow. That's what I'm here for. Launch, scale, and grow. Great. Well, Teresa, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you and just hearing about what you're doing uh, to have uh, such an impact um, in the lives of creatives um, and in, so they can have an impact uh, in their communities and, and uh, beyond as well. So I really appreciate you taking the time out today to join me. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it, Zach. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you uh, guys for tuning in today. And as always, uh, if you found this helpful, or if you liked it, please like, subscribe, share it with friends, family, anybody who you think would benefit from this. Uh, and until next time, keep elevating and accelerating. Cheers.